This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I am ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. Here's where the chutzpah. I'll never be the same again. Let's shout. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. And your best shout ever. Woo! Thank you. Please remain standing for the word. All right. I will be reading in Acts 12, starting in verse 1. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostles, James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell, following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. You may be seated. Give the Lord a hand for the reading of the word. It was awesome. Thank you, Victoria Kate. Uh, we are in the middle of a, a topic called Truths of a Skeptic, where I'm attempting the best of my ability to land on things that are iffy, uh, and, and maybe we've not understood them completely, and then try to define them so that they bless you. Here's what we talked about last week. If you're here, welcome to part two. So I will do my best to catch you up from last week of about an hour and land the plane quickly so we can take back off. Here's what we asked last week. Does it really matter if you're here? In other words, does the destiny of any other person on this planet change because you got out of bed, 
put on some clothes, showed up on the corner, sang some songs, gave some money, took some communion, went home and said, that was a good day, check the box for church, move on with life, celebrate Valentine. We landed on this next question, if it does matter, and this is where we're going today, if it does matter that we're here, then what's the point of being here? Is the point of you being here today to listen to me ramble about God or to encourage you about God? If that is the only reason we come, we could probably say, well, I could stay home and watch YouTube videos because there's a lot of people there that can encourage you and you can stay in your jammies with a coffee in your hand. So is there something different about coming here than watching a YouTube video? Uh, is there something that happens when you get out of bed and show up and decide I'm going to watch a live preacher in a live group of people singing live music versus I'm home, kicked back, watching a video? If we're just looking for I want to be blessed, I want to learn something, I want to grow, I would probably say equally both are just as good for you. Uh, probably even staying home is better because you could sleep more and enjoy time with family. Uh, some of you here come because you need us to keep your kids so you can enjoy time. And so, <laughs> it's free child care. We got two hours, honey. Let's dump the kids off and go to church. So, you're welcome that we keep your children for free. Um, so, I want to try to land on why I believe it matters and then tell you what I think the point is. I want to be fair to myself. I'm going to tell you the point, but at the same time admit... I may be failing at the point. All right, so I'm going to try to be fair to me because last night as I got my computer out and started putting all this together, um, it, it, it just did a left turn because I wasn't planning on saying what I was saying today and it took a left turn. I thought, all right, I got to rethink this out. So I've been rethinking it out. So you get the beauty of me rethinking it out in front of you. So if you realize he doesn't know where he's going, welcome. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I do. I, I put it on some screens. Here's what we landed on last week. It does matter that you're here, and here's the three things we said of why. Number one, it matters because God has always had a place. And we talked about from Eden to the kingdom coming, heaven come to earth, God has always had a place. That place may be an altar, a temple, a building, a location, a bush, uh, but he always had a place he wanted to meet with people. Even Abraham, go here, I'll show you land. That's the place I want to show up. The Ark of the Covenant, uh, it was the place God met with the people in the tent in the wilderness. And so fast forward to today, the place would be here. 2981 Beaumar Road, and we thank God we're not in the middle of the desert with camels and no water and no, wa you know, no air conditioning. We've got it a little better, but it's a place. And so what we landed on is... The place, though it's a brick and mortar, because of the way God intended it, the Garden of Eden was a place he put Adam and Eve. We deduce that supernatural things can happen in a place. They can happen at home too, but when a bunch of people come together in a weird way, there's things that can happen supernaturally. The sad part is we come and never expect anything to happen supernaturally. It's just called religion. It's, it's godliness with no, nothing happening. The second one was this, God always has a people. From Adam until the present, he never intended you to do life alone. Even with Adam, he said it's not good for him to be alone, and yet God was the one that made him, and God said, I did a good job. But even God, affirming himself of his own ability to do a good job, still said it's not good for this brother to be alone. 
Uh, come on, somebody. It's Valentine's Day, fellas. You should have said amen. <laughs> Not good for you to be alone. If you forgot it's Valentine's, come up for prayer afterwards. I'll lay hands on you. Pray that she doesn't kill you. <laughs> Uh, or if you realize it, Venmo her real quick, and uh, you know you already had it planned out. If you if you don't have it planned out, I'm sorry, you're in trouble because everything's booked and there's nowhere for you to go today. So hang out with me and Robin, we'll feed you. You can act like all along. I planned it. We're going to spend the day with the preacher. God's always had a people. And so there's the Israelites. He's had the people. He had Noah on a boat. That was a group of people. Um, he, he has uh, nations of people that he uses. And now here we are as a people. We're called believers of Believer's Church. We're Christians. And we kind of say, this is my home. So we become the people. The third thought was this, and this is where we're going to take the plane off today, is God's always had a language. And so we, we jumped into this thought that he always has a language. Can we put that one up real quick? He always has a language. And that... This is kind of where we stopped last week that I want to pick up this thought of why you need to be here and what's the point. So let's jump in. Here's the scripture. Genesis 11, all the people of the world spoke the same language. There's the language. And used the same words. As the people migrated east, they found a plain. That's the location. And they settled there. So there's the people. There's the place. And there's the language. They begin to say to each other, let's make bricks hardened with fire. In the region, the bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. And so they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower. This will make us famous and then keep us from being scattered all over the world. Next verse. God looks down at all of that, looks down at what? The people who've gathered in a place called Babel and who are speaking the same language. And God says to these people who were building, so there's the people in the place, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. So again, our thought was, there's the people, there's the building, the Tower of Babel, and there's the language. And then God said, after this, nothing they set out to do, come on, use this next phrase, what is it? Will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse these people and here's how, we're gonna, here's how we'll remedy it. God is going to remedy it by giving them all a different language so they're scattered all over the earth, which is a weird fix, but it had to be a frustrating day to be sitting there talking with somebody and instantaneously snap of a finger, you don't understand a soul. And you're all wondering what happened. Here's my thought for the day. How is it possible that a group of humans in a specific location, how could they elicit a response from God that would say nothing they set out to do would be impossible? How could humans working together with a common language in a common place cause God himself to say, not with him, but with them, with them, nothing would be impossible if they set out to do it. I would agree if you said, with you plus me as God, nothing is impossible, which is what we tell people. God plus you, anything's possible. Uh, you know, Christ in me and all things are possible through Jesus. I can do, we even said, I can do all things through Christ. But this doesn't say they can do all things through Christ. This just says they can do all things. How could a, a human cause God to admit that they themselves 
could accomplish something, watch, that is impossible but without him. Not with him, without him. Because when you dig into that question, it, it really makes you ponder what is going on with us humans. Now here's what's going on. Science and maybe, gosh, vacation Bible schools and Sunday schools have robbed us of what's going on. Because the way we're taught is we started as Neanderthals who couldn't make fire. We couldn't even figure out how to have sex or do it. We had to hunt with spears and carve things out of wood and run around naked going... And not only that, that's after we came from a monkey. So that, that's what they teach you. They teach you that you came from a Neanderthal and you got smarter as time progressed. Some of you are proof that doesn't work. <laughs> You've been here a long time, you got dumber, right? I mean, that's humans, right? We can blow it. And if you think we're getting smarter, that's what's weird because we say we're getting smarter, but we're really not. We're getting dumber because we're moving further away from God to go back to Babel to say we can do it without him. So in a sense, though, we're getting smarter because we can do all kind of weird things like spy on you through your phone and know what you're thinking right now and send you an ad so you don't have to think that hard. That's pretty smart. But it's, it's, it makes me question what, what was going on. So I'm going to tell you what I think. You don't have to believe this. I do. I think we started out brilliant because we were in the image and the nature of God and we weren't Neanderthals that were buck naked trying to figure out how to do fire. We were the DNA of God Almighty. We weren't stupid. We weren't idiots. We were brilliant. And when God made Adam and Eve, they were so brilliantly made that he said, man, what I've just done is very good. And then he looks at the two naked people that we say are Neanderthals and he says to them, rule and govern the entire world. You don't tell a caveman to rule the entire world. You don't tell a caveman who can't even figure out he's with a woman to go multiply and govern the planet that the creator just made. If you're the creator, you don't tell a caveman, govern my, my best work. Let me make it clear. You don't put idiots in charge of things you like. That's why you won't leave your children with a five-year-old. They will destroy the place. So God would have never looked at a man and a woman who were Neanderthal, dumb people that need to know how to make fire and say, govern the existence of the universe that I have made. That's what we tell you. We tell you they were naked, and if you look, I wish I would have pulled up a picture. Maybe I'll have it next time. Not, not their nakedness. Like <sighs> That just, that like came out really weird. They were naked, and I wish I had a picture. <laughs> I don't even know how I got there. But, but I was thinking it's not their nakedness. I was thinking that the picture we show you in, uh, you know, if you Google it, and if you Googled it on your phone right now, here's what you'd see. A glowing bronze 
colored couple. Oh, they've been on the beach for years. Their skin is brown. They have perfect teeth. Oh, and Eve's hair, ladies. Oh, it's so long. It covers her breast. It covers all her private parts. It's just beautiful. Her teeth are beautiful. Her hair is just flowing dark. Adam looks the same. He looks like he came out of a model magazine. He's perfectly brown. And they're holding an apple and they're giddy with one another. And that is ludicrous. Because what we're told is God started with bronze white people with dark hair and and out came y'all. White people, I'm going to go on a limb. White people typically think Adam was white. Black people, I'm not black, but black people probably think Adam was black. Hispanics probably think he was Hispanic. Because that's kind of how we connect to Adam. The lunacy of that is Adam was not white, married to a white Eve, and then had Cain and Abel, and then God turned Cain black, and there comes black people. That's literally what racists teach you is that black people came out of Cain and he was cursed by God. And now we're sitting in a generation where whites and blacks and Hispanics were all fighting over our cultural wars and culture canceling culture. And because now that we're all individuals, we just have issues. But when God started this thing, here's the scripture, the verse in Genesis. Then God said, let us, that's God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, make humans, that's Adam and Eve, in what? Like what? No, you read that wrong. Like cavemen. Let's make them like Neanderthals. Because that's what I've been told. I don't want to read like us because that makes me face some things that that I've, I've blown over the years. When God says, let me make these people like me, he means brilliant with all of my DNA, composing every hair color, skin color, height and dimension of all my wisdom, compounded into two people, and out of two people with my DNA and my wisdom will come such wisdom that they could govern the entire universe. So in an Adam and an Eve, I don't know what color they were, But here's what I know. Inside both of them was red hair, black hair, blonde hair, white skin, yellow skin, brown skin, orange skin, freckles, big bone, skinny bone. All of you sitting here, so different you are, you were all comprised into the DNA of Adam. So that Adam could have been a black boy, Eve could have been a yellow girl, And he could have had dark hair, and she could have had dark hair. They hooked up, and out came Cain, and Cain was a red-headed freckle boy. And Adam looked and said, who have you been sleeping with? He doesn't look a thing like me. And she goes, nobody, because we're the only two here. Well, how in God's name could we birth a redhead with freckles? She couldn't blame it on her mother. She, She didn't have a mother. She couldn't blame it on you cheated. What happened was Adam and Eve cooked up and could have had any color of any option at any time because what they birthed out of themselves was the DNA of wisdom of God. And then when Cain has Abel, and then people say, well, how they married their brother. They had to marry their sister. That's because you're thinking like people from Alabama. Because now we all come in families where our, if, if, if our nose is big, we get a big nose. 
If, if my belly looks like this, my dad's belly looks like this. We, we carry the DNA. But when you're, you're coming fresh off of mom and dad, you can marry your sister and there's not all the problems we get because your DNA is just from God. Now we're so far away from that, be careful you don't marry your cousin, right? So, here's the thought. Adam plus Eve were the full expression of God's wisdom and being. They weren't Neanderthals. They were God's brilliance. Now when they begin to multiply, what would your enemy do? The enemy was, if these two people are the full expression of God's power and they can dominate and govern and rule the earth, as soon as they have a kid, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to come in, I'm going to start killing humans off, and he did. You remember what happened. Cain kills Abel, Abel's gone, Cain is banished from the presence of God, and the devil, in a moment, stopped the DNA of God. Because I cannot, watch, this is important. I cannot let this wisdom rule the earth. So what I have to do is kill them off as they come. I have to pervert them as they come. But the beauty of this, watch, this is the beauty. The beauty of this is that the devil was smart enough to know if God made them not like Neanderthals, if I could take all of that wisdom that was put into them and bring them to a place as a people and give them that language, I, the devil, could accomplish anything through the very humans God made because he made them brilliant. So the devil on the plane gathers all the people of his kingdom together, all the people of the world, Genesis 11 said, speaking one language to build a tower to themselves, a name for themselves to reach the heavenlies. And the devil is doing with the people at Babel what God intended Adam and Eve to do. Is that you will govern and rule and reign over the earth. And the devil's like, bring them all together because we're going to accomplish the impossible with these human beings. And so he tried it, and God said, no, 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 no. And what did God do? Split all their languages off. Split off everything. Here's the thought, human plus humans. Because what we find out in Babel is not only does Adam and Eve express the fullness of God's wisdom, the reason God would say to this group of people, they could do anything, and it wouldn't be impossible if they just put their mind to it, because humans in one location who speak a common language equal the totality of God's wisdom and ability. And so God could say to these humans, their ability and wisdom, because I made them that way, if they all come together in unity and work together, man, it's, it's, it's crazy what they could accomplish. So God nicks the language. Now we show back up in the book of Acts, chapter, chapter 2. Here's the thought. God shut down the place, people, in language because they made it about themselves. It didn't mean that they couldn't accomplish it. It meant that he was going to stop the ability by scattering them about in different languages. Pick the remedy up in Acts 2. Acts chapter 2, one day on the day of Pentecost, all the believers, there's the people, meeting together in a place, there's the place. Suddenly a sound from heaven came in a roaring windstone. It filled the house where they were sitting. It looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them. And everyone present was filled with the Spirit and began to speak. And then here's the ability. The language produced an ability. 
And could it be that God never changed his intentions of us? That he always assumed that people, if they work in unity with a common language because of what I've done for them, they could accomplish anything. Here's the weird thing. It's impossible to do that now. Watch why. On the Tower of Babel, if we're all speaking a language, and these people are good with technology, these people are good with science, these people are good with math, these people are good with building, these people are the dreamers, these people are the architects, and they're all working together. That's how, give me this, give me that. Oh, yeah, get, give me, give me. And they're working together, building. As soon as God, this is my opinion, as soon as God splits the languages, and everybody's like, and they're trying to figure it out. Here's why now it becomes impossible to govern the world. Because a group of people spoke a language, and maybe they were the architects, but they couldn't communicate what they needed, and they had to go that way. The people who were the dreamers went that way. The people who were uh, the scientists went that way. The people who were the technology people went that way. We say ancient aliens downloaded it all. That's what we teach you on YouTube. Ancient aliens came from above and told us all. I think we were brilliant. And on the day of Pentecost, our bri- day of Pentecost, uh, at the Tower of Babel, our brilliance went to Neanderthal thinking. Because I was together with all the brilliance, and in a snap of a finger, all the brilliance was isolated into nuggets, and those nuggets scattered to different parts of the world. So these people who were the technology people are like, what do we do now? Technology? I don't know. we got to have other people to help us. Well, where did they go? I don't know. I can't communicate with them. And so suddenly... You don't even know how to make fire because you've never had to make fire because you were always with people who could do it for you. Suddenly you realize that now, rather than everybody working together, it's just an individual group of people who don't know how to do fire in science. And so we got to figure out how, but I can't figure out how because they don't talk like me. So every little culture has to start over now. And as they start over, this culture that's never made fire has to figure out how to make fire because we got split off from the people who could and they can't communicate to tell us how to do it. So on the day of Pentecost, God comes back and my belief is He took people from all places and brought them together in a town called Jerusalem and He gave them a common language because what He wanted was the gift and individual talents of every person coming together to accomplish the impossible. In other words, I'm going to unify you once again, and if you'll start speaking the language of the Spirit, there's nothing that you couldn't accomplish. The problem with that is what? We're humans, and we bloom and can't get along with each other. So we find ourselves 2,000 years removed, and we can't do the impossible, because if we're honest, we can't even agree on what to do. Because my church wants to make fire. Well, my church wants to baptize. Well, my church wants on my church and my church and my church so that we really can't even come together to win a city because we can't even speak the same language. So the enemy wins by keeping us divided into things we call denominations and our preferences because if we ever dared come together, we could change the world. 
But we can't change the world because we don't know how to change. And hopefully I'll teach you how we're going to do this in the future. How do you do this? We can't even agree on what Bible version to use or whether women can wear makeup or whether you can have a beer or not. We can't even agree on anything. And we wonder why we sit around and go, why don't we see revival? Why don't we ever see miracles? I mean, I, I guess my, my superficial answer would be, do you really think God is going to send miracles to this? Because if he sends miracles, you won't have anywhere to sit. You won't have anywhere to park. You'll be here 24-7. You won't be able to go hunting and fishing and golfing and, and gymnastics because if revival comes, people have to show up to disciple people. And if I can't show up because my kids at cheer, then God's like, well, if y'all can't take care of them, I ain't bringing them. So then we go, I don't know why I don't see miracles. Because if they did, you would have to get your kid out of cheer and show up here every night of the week because people would be coming to get healed and delivered and set free. You'd have to put your gun on the wall. You'd have to skip hunting season. You'd have to stop golfing. You'd have to get off work, grab a Chick-fil-A, come here, stay till midnight because people are getting born again, delivered and set free. Go home and start over every single night. And the reality is we just don't want to do that. That's too much work. I can barely get here once a month. I'm not, I'm not mad at that, but I mean, that's reality. Reality is I go once a month, I'm feeling good. Man, I got kids. So here's the thought of, as we start, what would happen if believers gathered in one location and got a common language? Could we? on this corner be the totality of God's wisdom and ability? That would just be my question. Could we be? Because here's the thought to this. You don't really believe this. What we believe is believers who go to church try to find a preacher that has some serious wisdom and ability to wow me with a group of musicians that entertain me. So that I can go and do my 28 minutes and get out and cop them a, a thankful by giving them an offering so I can go home. I don't want to show up and have any expectation on me at all. That God wants to do something through us. Not me. Us. I'm doing my part. I'm trying to throw it down. But I'm not called to be the wisdom of God over this place. It's us together. You need me, I need you, let's hook up, let's do something impossible. So the question would be, would God in his godness see believers' church as cavemen who are like, well, bless their heart. They're just stupid. They barely sing. They show up late. They don't tithe. They don't give. Bunch of cavemen. You know why I know they're cavemen? Every single week they pray, send the fire, Lord. Send the fire. God's like, I sent the fire 2,000 years ago, and you're still asking me for more fire. I'm not giving you any more fire. I'm waiting on you to grow up. But that feels good. It feels good to send the fire, Lord. Baptize us with the fire. And he's like, I already did. You still want me to treat you like Neanderthals? 
Even Paul will say, grow up and stop being carnal. Mature. Let the gifts of God work in you. And yet we're so trained by religion to keep you very Neanderthalish. Because I have to write a book that tells you to serve me. Carry my Bible. Respect my awe. Respect my anointing. Dare not touch it. That's why everybody needs a wife. Somebody's going to touch your anointing. It's going to be me, and I ain't scared of God either. (laughs) But, I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, we act like this is the magic carpet. And I'm like Mulan. I don't know if that's a guy that rides it or not, but... Like I'm riding a magic carpet and I'm supposed to awe you with my brilliance and you're supposed to respect my anointing because I'm so wise and and I keep everybody off my carpet and I have a little room in the back where you can't even get to me because you might taint my anointing. That's stupid. You're a human. I'm not saying we don't respect people. I'm not saying we don't honor leaders. Of course we do. But the beauty of it is, if we're not careful, we act like we're the brilliance and y'all are the Neanderthals and we never accomplish anything. When all of us together are the display of the wisdom of God. I can preach all day, but if you don't show up, it doesn't work. And you can show up and do nothing, it still doesn't work. So it makes me ask this question. This is where, bless my heart, my computer turned the left corner. So this is all just fresh off the griddle last night, drinking coffee. Here was the thought that rose. Shouldn't we as believers, together in one place, be the complete expression of God's wisdom and power, and therefore passionately pursue the impossible? Now, I wrote that question out last night at about 11 o'clock. And I'm thinking hard, like, okay, what would that look like? What would it look like if a group of people showed up on the corner and started expecting the impossible? Like unified together and and spoke a common language and started expecting the impossible to happen. Not me expecting it because I'm coming in every week going, God, do something, please. But but if we all showed up and thought something impossible is going to happen today. Like if we just started. So that's where I landed and then... And then I felt like the Lord said, get out of the cockpit, let me drive, you just enjoy the show. So I was like, all right. So I just started typing. Here's what came out. Acts 12, and I sent Ryan a text and said, change the Bible reading to Acts 12. He said, done. So this is what Victoria Kate read. But while Peter was in prison, the church, there's the people, in a place, did what? What if the prayed very earnestly for him, not for themselves, for somebody else? What if the goal all along was that prayer became the common language that could accomplish the impossible in a group of people? And that went off in me like, what what if this? So I, I kept reading. Next verse. Suddenly, this is what she read, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. 
and the chains fell off his wrist and the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. What's in red? Okay, this is what threw me. Where did this angel come from? Go back a verse. The church prayed earnestly. For who? Who is in jail? Next verse. A supernatural being shows up and starts ordering people to do stuff. And then it dawned on me, what if we've missed it? What if we've not understood that the impossibility of our lives is that if we begin to join together in unified prayer, angels would show up to order the destiny of other people. Because this is just my thought. A lot of praying today is Neanderthal praying. God help me, fix me, bless me, give me a job, heal my hip, heal my back. Heal my skin, heal my husband, heal my dog. That's, I, I'm not saying that's wrong. We, we, Jesus even said just ask. But that, but that is a victim Neanderthal praying mentality. That prayer is given to you so you can say, Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Peace out, Jesus. Or, God is great, God is good, let us sing him for the food. By his hands we must be fed, give us all our daily bread. Amen, eat it up, kids. Because mm, mm, mm. that's what prayer is. Prayer is saying things over your food so you don't get a bug. Prayer is saying prayers so if you die during your sleep, God will let you into heaven. We, we, have, we have taught the body of Christ how to be Neanderthal in their prayer life. We, we've taught the body of Christ. Why have we done this? Because if we dared grab a hold of what could happen, the world would flip upside down. So the devil has to come in and move prayers to selfishness and move prayers to your job and move prayers to your life. Because if we dare come together and start praying for needs outside of us that are meaningful to the kingdom, could angels come off of their assignment and show up in Douglasville and show up because Rosa began to pray with the body of Christ and an angel showed up and said to Rosa's prayer, I have come to change your destiny. And we're like, what? Do you dare? This is what I was typing to myself. Do I dare? Does Mark dare believe that when I pray with a group of people that an angel would be commissioned to come and shift the destiny of my town, of my family, of my future because I prayed it through? And my answer was no. I don't believe that because that's why I started with prayers of a skeptic. You remember when I started this way? Prayers of a skeptic. And then God brought me all the way back home and said, Well, are you still skeptical? Do you believe, Mark Evans, that if you get with a group of people and you start unifying your voices together, do you believe, Mark Evans, that I would send supernatural beings to impact the destiny of the environment around you? And my answer is no. And I know how because 
We don't do church this way. So I begin, here's the next verse. Let's go to the next one. So Peter came to his senses. This is me sitting on a couch. Is it really true? Like you just had an angel show up, take your cuffs off, walk you out of the prison, and your only response is, oh, it can't be happening. <laughs> no, no. Wait. Wait, I, what happened? Where'd that, where'd that being come from? It came from a group of people that weren't even in the cell with you who were praying earnestly. So when the being showed up and ushered you out, you weren't even praying it. You were just coming to yourself going, God, what just happened? Dear Lord. He gets out, he comes to his senses. The angel of the Lord said, Send his angel and save me from Herod. What the Jewish leaders plan to do? I ask you this question. Do you believe we as a group of people right now on this corner could unify ourselves in prayer and shift the destiny of our town? The destiny of our families. The destiny of our future. Because we pray. And the answer is no, we don't believe that. And just to show you how weird it is, 2,000 years later, we quit coming together to pray for shifting of destinies, and we came together to watch me fulfill mine, which is I want to preach, be famous, be on Instagram, drop some mic drop sermons, and y'all need to come here, because the devil knows if we ever show up with the concerted effort we've gathered to pray, we will shift a city. So what I have to teach you is you don't gather to pray, you gather to listen to me rant. That's called preaching. I'm not saying preaching stops. We need to grow up. We need to hear things from the Spirit. But, but I even ask myself, have I failed? Like I remember when I shifted to communion and said we will forever do communion. I remember when we started reading the Bible and going we'll forever read the Bible. And then I'm kind of thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting it to Robin. Like think about this, think about that, think about this. Were we intended to come together to not do church but to pray? Like if you showed up here, this is just an honest question. If you showed up here and I said it's going to be weird today. I'm not preaching. I'm going to put a need up on the screen and don't leave until you feel like you've prayed about it. And as soon as you feel like you've prayed about it, come up and take communion and seal the deal, give an offering if you want to, and go home. Would you come? Would you come just because you would think, Mark doesn't just need me here so he can preach to somebody. I've got to go because I'm going to be part of shifting somebody's destiny. God is going to use me to shift the destiny of somebody. I don't know who, but I'm going to show up. What are they going to do? Michael sings. I'm in these sings, man. I'm worshiping. I'm dancing. If Mark preaches, I'm amening. But you better know the reason we've come together is for Jesus Christ to accomplish the impossible in us. And what if the impossible was this? Here's where it gets really weird. Next verse. Super weird. When he realized he went to the home of Mary, because that's where the Christians were meeting, and they were gathered there to pray, 
because that's the common language. So he knocked on the door of the gate. Servant girl named Rhoda opened it, and she recognized You all started laughing right here, remember? Y'all started giggling. I was giggling because nobody in here believes this. I'm not saying we don't, but, but it's weird. It's like a Bible story. She opened the door. Peter, blue, is standing at the door. That's what she said. They said, who's they? The church that's praying earnestly. They don't even believe their own prayers. <laughs> oh, God, we humbly beseech thee. Get Peter out of prison. Woo, call down fire, Lord. And the angel's like, what, Jesus? They're praying. They're asking me to go. It's my time now. It's my time. Oh, they're asking for me. I'll be right back. Hey, guys, I'll be back in a minute. i got to go down there. Angel, get out of here. Come on, follow me. Boom. What in God's name is happening? Get him out of the prison, Lord. Do something great in him. Do something wonderful. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. What's wrong, Rhoda? Oh, God. It's him. Oh, God, it's him. He showed up. Who showed up? Peter is standing at the door. The Neanderthals. You're out of your mind. You surely don't believe God would answer a prayer. You surely don't believe that could happen. That's impossible. This is American Christianity 101. We're going to have a prayer night. Go home. Don't even expect a thing to happen. Ooh, I feel better, though. We prayed it up. Prayed it down. Let's go to Waffle House. Because you know you're not expecting God to do anything. You just showed up to a prayer service to ease your guilt. And when the answer knocks on the door, you don't believe it. And when I read that, you're out of your mind, I felt like this is just me. Oh, God, I need, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know why Robin married me. I'm just sitting there typing. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, God, I flunked this one. Because I heard the Lord when I read, are you out of your mind? This is what I heard. Mark, are you still skeptical? Right? It preaches good. But I'm like, eh, my computer's getting hot. Yeah. And I, I literally did. I just moved it over and I watched Lost. I don't know if you've ever watched Lost. I just put my computer up. Like, I flunked that one. I just, let's watch Lost, honey. I got to process a minute. I'm just so, I flunked this one. Because I'm, oh God. Because if I'm honest, I love him, but I'm still skeptical. I love him, but I don't know if I really believe that if I pray, an angel will show up and do the impossible because I'm still skeptical because I know I'm, I'm going to open the door and not believe it. I know that, I just, oh God, and then it just becomes a meltdown of please forgive me, God. Please forgive me of thinking that it's just about preaching and, and music and an experience. And God, please forgive me and let me please somehow in some way build in a community of people on the corner of Bomar that if we would start praying, we could see the impossible. 
And that just started resonating in me. What a God. Oh, God, teach me how do we do this as a church? How do we begin to build prayer? How do we begin to ignite it in the souls of people that I'm needed because I pray? Not you're needed because you're an Enneagram One. Needed because you have gifts. Needed because you took the gift and you were an apostle. I don't even know what that means, but I scored high on apostleship. Well, I took it, and I'm a prophet, and people need to listen to me. I don't know. I can't figure that out to this day. But everybody in the room has a gift from God to say, I can pray. I can pray. I might pray broken. I might pray stupid. I might pray, uh, God, uh, Lord, uh, I don't really know what to do, but uh, if you uh, maybe uh, could potentially, uh, perhaps, maybe, uh, I do believe now. Uh, and then some of you are like, Father God, I thank you, Father God, and Father God, I pray, Father God, that Father God, you would come now, Father God, and Father God, if Father God, you could do anything, Father God, Father God, we humbly beseech you, Father God, that you, Father God, would do the most wonderful. You see, there's dumb people all in the room. It doesn't matter if you, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father, or you're like, uh, 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 oh, uh, or if you're the woman, and I'm over here like a Neanderthal going, what in God's name is that woman saying? I don't know, but she's praying and I'm praying something impossible is about to happen. That's what I've got to do. I got to work it up. You want to pray in tongues? Pray in tongues. You want to pray this way? Oh, 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 oh! I, I I don't pray that way, but if but if it's helping change a destiny, rip it up, sister. I pray more this way. You're bothering me. That's how I pray. Because my brain is all over the place. I need, I need to just be me. But if we don't understand everybody in the room, I need you to pray. I don't care if you pray Pentecostal. I don't care if you pray scriptures. I don't care if you pray singing. But would you believe that if we could start praying, we might see the impossible. Now, I don't know how it's going to play out on Sunday. But I got a feeling it's about to change. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yet. I got to run it through the elders and run it through Robin and the team. But I just got a feeling like we started doing communion weekly. And we started worshiping weekly. And we started growing spiritually weekly. It just began to dawn on me. Could we come together just for a moment of time every week and just put some time on the TV or something and just go, shh, right now? I'm about to release somebody's destiny because an angel of heaven is going to do the impossible. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like that's the way the early church did church. They gathered together, they prayed, somebody taught from Scripture, they sang a hymn, they shaked the world. Here's the final thought. 
many believers have an easier time believing in ghosts than the fact God could use them to do the impossible. It's easier for me to believe that an alien is in Area 51 that God could use my prayers. Really. So here's what we're going to do. The language of the impossible, and this is what I landed on when my car hung a left, is prayer. I in some way feel like I may have fallen short as a leader. I've never really pushed prayer here. If you want to pray, go pray. But I've never been a leader that's like, what if this is how the impossible comes? What if this is why we're not seeing miracles? What if we've turned church into an experience rather than a divine destiny shifter? What if we've told you only a select few are needed and they become leaders versus will you show up and be part of shifting the destiny of somebody? So here's what we're going to do to end today. Confess your sins and pray you'll be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person does what? Has great power and does what? Produces wonderful results. So here's how we're going to end. I need you to grab your phone, if you will, and text a prayer. If you want to text the prayer, just there's the number. And then if you want to go on our website, uh, you can go on our website, that's the thing, and you can submit a prayer there. All right? If you want it even easier than that, throw your phone up, scan that. We'll leave it up there. As you scan that, it, like you do in a restaurant, it will take you to a place that has a button on it that'll say, give your prayer need to us. All right? Submit that prayer need. Because what we're going to start doing, our B groups, our leaders, Chris has a prayer time here every Thursday at 5 a.m. to 7 I asked David and Missy if they would begin to push all the B groups to begin to have concerted effort to pray. Because what Mark Evans and Robin Evans are going to believe for is that if a group of people who call this place home begin to have a concerted effort to pray, we could shift the divine destiny of our city, of our region, of even our nation. Now here's the thing. I need you to believe that impossible things can happen. That's all I need you to believe. Mr. Arlen, can I pray for you? Come up, let me pray for you. I want to pray for Mr. Arlen. I was asking God, what do we do? Stand up with me, if you will. I, I know I didn't even ask him this, so please don't be embarrassed. Um, but Mr. Arlen told me several months ago he was diagnosed with Parkinson's. That's an impossibility. So as I was praying, like, God, what do we do? I felt like the Lord said, well, you're skeptical or not? I'm like, well, no, I think I believe. And so I was just praying, like, Lord, what could we do today to put... You remember when we all took communion for Robin? And she had divine things happen? Right? You remember that? Like, it, we, it wasn't spooky. It was just, we need your help. Would you take communion? Would you pray for Robin? And she had supernatural... I felt like the Lord say, why don't you do this for Mr. Arlen today? Why don't we just test it and see if you pray for Arlen Loden, who had a diagnosis of Parkinson's, if we would just believe God to do the impossible. 
like he would need the impossible or a doctor that could hook up and fix it or whatnot. So I didn't ask him, so I, I, I know him. I don't think he's upset, but I think he would appreciate in a very humble way that everybody in this room today decided today, here's what's weird. Our brother Arlen is in a prison and we're just going to believe God to get him out. And we're going to believe God to do it. So after we pray, Victoria Cade will play, and after we pray, I just want you to come and take communion today with one thing. We have a brother in our midst that could be needing to be released. And would you use your gift of prayer to just pray for him? And I know he'll appreciate it because here's why I know. When you prayed that for me and Robin, we felt it. We felt the faith. We felt the, our, our destiny shifted. Uh, I mean, things that even the doctors were amazed that you're doing so well. Even one doctor said, there's no reason to come back. Your blood works like great. And I don't even know if it was my faith, but I, I just chalk it up that we all put our faith together and we, we believed in something impossible happened. So today for Mr. Arlen, Father, in Jesus' name, I love my brother. I think it's not by mistake he showed up today. And so my prayer is like Rhoda. And the church earnestly prayed for him. That today the change of Parkinson's and, and what has tried to attack his body and it may have caused him to, Lord, just, okay, I need to go to a doctor or find a remedy. Today, Lord, I just ask for an angel of heaven to be sent to his destiny. And God, we would, we would leave skepticism for one moment of a time and say, Lord, we just ask you to do a work. We ask you to do the impossible. We ask you to do what we can't do. We ask you to do what an angel of the Lord can do. Why? Because we've gathered together as your people. We've gathered together as your kids. And we're all offering a concerted common language of prayer. And our prayer is, Arden Loden, be free today. Be healed today. From your head to your feet in a supernatural, overwhelming name of Jesus Christ. And I give you thanks for it. Father, in Jesus' name. And all the people say amen. amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.